I, Malik the Maleficent, have seen fit to sponsor this pitiful podcast myself. As you know, Malik the Maleficent, who is me, is the most powerful, excellent, and handsome wizard in all the land. He is guaranteed to be 100% better than that Victor von Wolfhausen smile, and not at all genocidal. Malak the Maleficent, for a better tomorrow. Briefly. All the tabletop role-playing news. We aim to amuse, we aim to enthuse. And Morris is unofficial tabletop RPG. Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I, as always, am Russ, a.k.a. Morris, or Morris, a.k.a. Russ, and with me is... Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild of Roleplayers. Russ, as ever, it is absolutely fantastic to be here. And you brought a guest. I did. I brought a friend. Not just any friend, and any award-winning friend. I don't think anyone believes this, because everybody knows you famously have no friends. It's Uh, harsh, but fair. (laughs) With us today is um, Emmy Allen, uh, who has created many things under Super K Cave Girl, including the Stygian Library, which you won the award for. I've been told I've been pronouncing it wrong for years, so um, oh, it's it? not Stygian. I've been saying Stygian, it's not. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, um, we're big fans of pronouncing oh, things in, properly. In, here. in this case, it's the name of a specific location, so you can pronounce it however you want because you invented a location. No, but it's uh, also... It's a word know, that exists. I know that. It's also an adjective for us. Come on. <laughs> but also... Yeah, on top of that, the Gardens of Yin, which is... Oh, yes, yes. The library, but outdoors. Um, sort of very Alice in Wonderland yeah, style. Yeah, like weird, surreal, whimsical, that kind of thing. If you need a glass butterfly to come and suck your blood, then uh, yes. you've got us covered. Hmm. And then Wolfpacks and Winter Snow, which is Paleolithic D&D. So you have Ooh. Neanderthals fighting Shoggoths and stuff. Yes. Um... That's what you want when facing shock off a sharp stick. Yes. A good attitude. Yeah, we can do this. I mean, it's one of those games where running away is your most important skill. Mm. Um, he who runs and runs away lives so yeah. run another day. And it's then like, there's, there's a bunch of other stuff, but it's all much the same theme. Oh, okay. Weird fantasy, basically. Weird fantasy leaning into that whole uh, appendix end of second edition Dungeons and Dragons, which has uh, spun off into the... Uh, Old School Renaissance, the OSR yeah, movement. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, we're going to dive into that in great detail in a bit. Yes. Shall we do some news? <laughs> we could do some news. All right, then, let's do some news. Yes. Let's. Okay, so the first thing in the news this week is the Diana Jones Awards. Ooh, exciting. Do you remember who won last year? Um, no. It was the concept of actual play, if you recall. How could I forget the concept of actual play beat out Chris Spivey and um, Harlem Knights yes, to a, actually that win. That was a result, as I recall, you were delighted with. Yeah, yeah. Concept beats in actual books. Oh, oh absolutely. I, that, that was the whole point of the award system. We should give awards to ideas rather than people who've actually put the effort in. Mm-hmm. Ah, strong choice. Anyway. Yeah. So the Diana Jones Awards have, no, uh, have announced their nominees this year. Ooh. Um, so the Diana Jones, obviously, that's um, uh, an anonymous group of yes. industry professionals. Yes. Uh, who vote on the, um, the a single one single product or in this case idea? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and and that person or product or company or concept yes. is presented with an award <laughs> at Gen Con, yeah. uh, a, a secret industry uh, meeting. Um, and Diana Jones, um, it's uh, 
that's a pyramid-shaped trophy yes. with the last part of the old Indiana Jones RPG encased in it. Because all the rest of them were pulped yeah. or burnt. Um, or plus, otherwise, plus, plus the name Diana Jones. It all used as kitty litter because they really didn't like that game. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows why? I have it upstairs. Oh, well, do you like that game? So it wasn't the last one because I've got it. Huzzah! Quick, quick, come around his house and burn it. <laughs> <laughs> we can make our own fake Diana Jones award. Prestigious. <laughs> anyway, the four nominees yes. are yes. Dungeons and Dragons, Art and Arcana. You know, oh. that great big... Yeah, the big coffee course. table book yeah. of Dungeons and Dragons Art. Yeah, yeah I, I love that book and that's the one I would choose. Yep. Yeah. Uh, then we got uh, Holding On, The Troubled Life of Billy Care, which is a board game. I'm not familiar with it. Perfect for the RPG section. Crack on. Uh, the Mind, a card game by Wolfgang Warsh. Warsh? Warsh? Warsh. 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 It's a fun name to say, anyway. Yeah. And Starcrossed, an RPG by Alex Roberts. Yep. Who's that by? Alex Roberts. Okay. Uh, That's why I just said Alex Roberts. Bully Pulpit Games, I say. Yeah. Which, which strikes names? Who does Bully Pulpit Games? Alex Roberts. I don't know. Okay, fine. <laughs> Thanks, Russ. <laughs> I... Don't know any of them, yes. but I do feel like the one that's a role-playing game should probably be. Well, the Diana Jones is about tabletop games okay. rather than oh, okay. role-playing games. Okay. So it covers pretty oh. much the whole the whole spectrum. Right. Okay. And which tabletop? But tabletop games, did you say? Not the tabletop industry. Oh, oh, I one, yeah. one, yeah. So if you can whack it on a tabletop. Yeah, then, a, yeah. a convention is one. So one. if we've got some particularly exciting tablecloths or cutlery, they'd be bang on it as well. Uh, yes, yes, Peter. That is correct. Yes. Marvellous. Yeah. You were saying? I just say because there's a book of art in there, <laughs> a, a board game, a card game, and a role-playing game, and one of these things is not like the others. But it's all just stuff related to the tabletop gaming industry. I don't think there's strict rules on what wins. Uh, uh, well, indeed. Like, what kind of game are they playing here where they don't have strict rules? I know, it's terrible. It's Shocking. Terrible. Anyway, those are the four nominees. Huzzah! Anyway, elsewhere in the news. Dun, dun, dun. What else do we also have in the news? Uh, Are people remaining silent in the lead-up to Gen Con? It is very, very quiet. Um, Green Ronin have announced their Gen Con lineup of products. Ah, bum, bum, bum. Um, three new products. Yes. Um, those are the Deluxe Game Master's Guide for Mutants and Masterminds. Ooh, nice, nice. That will be very well received. Uh, the Super Team Handbook. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Threefold, which is a modern age campaign setting Ooh. Um, I don't know much about it but apparently there's three different sort of planes of existence okay um, there's sort of earth other worlds and nether worlds oh right no that, that, that is strong uh, glad that didn't come from guess the kickstarter because I would not have got that <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a kickstarter mm-hmm. and finally we have the campaign builders guide for fantasy age Ah, yes, yes, using the age system, which yes. we looked at last week. We did. With um, the Expanse. We did, we did, we did, we did. Exciting times. Okay, what else do we have in the news? We have got the cover art for the One Ring 2nd Edition. Perfect podcast material, because we're all about to look at a picture. Yay! So, listeners, just imagine you're also looking at this picture. It's a very nice picture. It is, it is gorgeous. It is a really nice cover. Oh, okay, yeah, we've got... That's definitely Gandalf has inspired by Ian McKellen in bottom right hand corner talking to looks like a ginger lady, a dwarf, most definitely a dwarf. Um, there's like a hobbit 
holding his shorts or two-handed has to do. Uh, it looks like we've got, I guess it must be Aragorn, probably Boromir and Legolas saying... I don't think it is the Fellowship, actually. I think it's, like, I think maybe Gandalf is, but I think everyone else is just... Yeah, yeah, sort of a discount Fellowship. <laughs> yeah. It's the unsuccessful Fellowship of the yeah. Ring. Pointing this way, bit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, they're basically, like, stood on the bridge saying, oh, no orcs. And the orcs are, like, trying to rush it. Like, uh, yeah, well, like a bunch of orcs, really. Hmm. So, yeah. what I like Dynamic. about this is it's... Like, the visual design is going off a lot of the much older um, art you got in a lot of the illustrations rather than mm. on the films, which mm. I think is quite... Mm. Like, if you've got the illustrated Lord of the Rings and stuff, the mm. art in those is absolutely beautiful, yeah. and it looks like they're taking a lot of their cues from that, which... Yeah. Uh, well, I, which I, I, like. don't, I don't quite know how Cubicle 7's license works, but I assume it's the books rather than the films they've got the license from, so they don't... Mm. They can't really do um, depictions of the actors in the films. I don't, oh. I don't think. I'm not sure. Oh, absolutely. Um, well, I'm talking about Ian McKellen. It's like Gandalf's grey. You've got a man with a huge white beard in grey robes with a pointy wizard's hat holding a staff that glows at the end. Mm. To be fair, that, that's hard to copyright that sort of image. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, anyway, yeah. So, that's that's that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else do we have? Like I said, there is not much. Oh, Tyranny of Dragons. Oh, yeah. So. They are republishing it. Oh, Okay. So that was the first D&D 5th edition big story arc. Yes, yes. And it was uh, two adventures. Yes, Hordes of the Dragon Queen and Rise of Tiamat. Yes. Which were famously quite tough. Uh, yeah, just a bit. Yeah. Been playing through it uh, with a party at, at the odd weekend. We just got into Rise of Tiamat, uh, but Horde of the Dragon Queen was so nails. Mm. It was like, you know, even taking like a, a group of very experienced players who've all like eighty percent of the players have run D and D, and the other one has played like a fair bit. And it was like still very, very tough game. Yeah. Mm. Um. So um, they've got a brand new cover. So yes. it's combining the two adventures into one hardback. Brand mm. new cover. Can you have a look at that one there. Oh yeah, yeah. Oop. Have you seen the special edition cover of D and D, Emmy? Because I to me, that think look, I have. Because that looks exactly like the yeah, it's style the same. Of it's the same thing. art. Yeah. It's classy. Yes, yeah. Right, I like that. Um, so this is um, also edited and uh, incorporates feedback. It says to smooth out the curve for new players, which I read as to make it easier. <laughs> Very much so. I mean, like you could definitely make it harder somehow, but. That I can imagine if you've never played D&D before and this is your first game, you'd hit that window like a pigeon. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it can get lethal later on, but you don't want to start out by killing everyone. It, it's it's a bit easy. To, it's it's to frowned say. upon, yeah. yeah. Um, they're not invested yet. They, they can't really savour the full saltiness of their tears. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to see if there's anything else in the news. Okay, let's have a look what else we've got. Uh, so I suppose there's like one minor, minor, minor trivially insignificant thing that has happened. What's that then? Well, there's some sort of Kickstarter has finished. My Kickstarter went back. Oh, wow. is, that, is that whose Kickstarter it was? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Super, super happy with that. So it ended on Friday, £94,500. Woo! Which is rather tasty. Uh, that's not quite $100,000? Uh, no, it's about $118,000. Oh, it's oh, it's more than yes. $100,000. Yes. Yeah, around about the $120K mark. Nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is uh, obviously cheering. You don't get all of that because ten um, percent of it you lose to Kickstarter fees and dropped pledges. Yeah, yeah. And then of course you've got the cost of um, producing the product as well. Oh, oh well, yeah. I mean, but yeah, um, has a has a gross. It's a yeah, jolly good to have. Nice. 
Uh, we have an Alpha Quadrant sourceback. Sourceback? A sourceback. Ooh, are these new? <laughs> <laughs> a horseback sourceback. No, a source book for Star Trek Adventures. Ah. Uh, it's coming out on July the 25th, which is next week? Yes. I'm thinking next week. It's Thursday. Okay. Uh, yes. So this, this, this source book will be available on July the 25th. Everything you need to run and play games in the Alpha Quadrant. Exciting. Um, Ferengi, Cations, the Badlands, Demilitarized Zones, all this sort of stuff. Oh. It's got 11 player species, uh, a bunch of alien starships, lots of information about the Alpha Quadrant, basically everything you need to know. And yeah. lots of oh, yeah. pictures uh, from the inside of it. They're still using their white text on a black background motif, I see, which is... Um, Yep. Tough on publishers everywhere. Ha uh-huh. <laughs> ha. What else have we got in the news? Ooh, I published a game. You have published a game? Yeah. Well, you published many games for us. That's yes. like pretty much your job. But, but last week I published a game. Oh, okay. A new game. <laughs> now so, we're talking. So I quickly wrote and, uh, and published this one. Just okay. as a, it was, it was just a side product I was like, project I was messing around with. Yes. And then um, I decided, what the hell? Why don't I just write it up and, and Damn, shut it up and drive the RPG? Yeah. And uh, yeah, um, Simply Six is like a D6 based, really fast, really simple, um, universal system, which, yep. um, with character sheets. Originally, I wanted the character sheets to be the size of a credit card. Yep. As you can see here, they're a bit bigger than that. They're not a lot bigger than that. Well, when I, when I made them the size of a credit card, it, you couldn't. Could, you, you, you can actually, you actually read write your character's name on it. So. Yeah. Uh, well, let me just. Uh, well, I'll just get a credit card out for comparison size. Yeah. So it's about two credit cards. Yeah. So, like, you know, it's not not quite what we we're going for. And what I'm going to do is there's a A4 sheet of paper which has got three of the little fellas on. Bink. And I'll whack up a post on the Facebook group for people to go and have a look at. Okay, then. Yeah, exciting times. Yeah, well, you can grab that over at Drive RPG if you're interested. It's only about 20 pages long, and half of that is monster stats. So, yeah. And each monster is basically about the size of a credit card as well. So, everything's really. Oh, are they, are they all very small? Yeah. All the monsters are tiny monsters, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Nice, yeah. nice. It makes them easier <laughs> to defeat. <laughs> all you need is a pair of very large boots, it's yeah. a hack. Yeah. No, no, and then what's that? That's Simply Six over at Drive for RPG. Yes, yes, indeed. Yeah. Um, any more news? Um, Eisenhorn's getting a TV show. <gasps> oh, yes. Bum, bum, yeah. bum. I did see that. I'd forgotten about that. That yeah. is uh, interesting. That's great news. I'm not super familiar with um, with Warhammer stuff in general. So, so um, yeah, do you want to explain what yeah. that is? Eisenhorn is, in my view, the one good book they've published. Yeah. Um, it's a. Oh. Bit harsh. Um, I mean, most of them are about big manly men shooting each other. So this is 40K, isn't it? Yes, yeah, 40K. Yeah. Well, well, you've got but, the Eisen tri- Eisenhorn trilogy, and yeah. then you've also got the Ravener as well. It's, 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 it's more Eisenhorn. It is. Okay. It's, it's the same, it's the same character say, say, carrying uh, on. Oh, okay. Yes. I, 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 see, I see where are coming from, but yeah, yeah. I, it's just, he doesn't have Eisenhorn in. But okay. But, I, I'm with you. Dan Avnett is someone who's made 40K fiction readable, which is a strong. Yeah. Strong I mean, move. It's very um, espionage, investigative, yes. that style of fiction. And it's, it's really good. Like, it's yeah. even if you're not a 40k fan, I would say read Eisenhorn. It, it's actual literature yeah. that you could read. Um, read leads into, leans into, um, blah, 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 like sort of Lynn Dayton esque uh, Cold War spy tropes a little bit as well. Yeah. Like, you know, you can't really trust anyone. 
Um, and there's a, there's a lot of yeah. undercover sneaking around. And then there's a lot of um, very, like almost classical tragedy where the, yes. the original Eisenhorn trilogy is mm. very much watching how everything goes horribly wrong because of this guy's hubris. Yeah. And like genuinely, it's absolutely brilliant. It's got a really strong like tone to it. It really brings out a lot of the interesting bits of the universe. Mm. And I'm really hoping they don't mess it up. We know <laughs> about the TV series yet? Any cast, any details? We know the production team on it. So yeah. we know people which are going to be doing things like the... So more things like the set design mm-hmm. and the effects and so on. We know who's working on that, but we don't have a cast mm. yet. Mm. Um, I did know who they'd actually um, hired. hired to do this, mm. and I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> but no, they're... Oh, I can't remember who it is, but they're people which have done interesting... You're feeling confident. Yeah, like, yeah. so long as they don't go... As long as they don't read through the source material and go, ooh, ooh, that's a bit nasty. No, no, we can't. We can't have that on TV. Yeah. That'll upset. No. As long as they don't do so that, what, we're what fine. Channel? What? Mm. It's HBO, I think. HBO. Ah, there That's, we go. Yeah, they, right. they pretty much show anything. Well, they're probably going to put more boobs in then in the yeah. original, I would say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> necessary, then in the original. It's one of those things. Like yeah, there's... At least they calm down on that with Game of Thrones. Eventually, yes. Other first sort of three seasons or so, they calm down a bit on that. Like, mm-hmm. the original Eisenhorn trilogy, there's this kind of going on in the background very understated love story that's yeah. you know it's forbidden romance can't probably it's absolutely beautiful and yeah. i really hope they don't be hbo at it and ah, turn yeah. it into more gratuitousness yeah. you know because yeah. it's it's very understated but it hmm. anyway well it's telling a love story in a dystopia it's going to be interesting and certainly if they're paying attention to set design and really capture that yeah. really strong visual aesthetic well i suspect that might end up being my introduction to 40k yeah. then because I literally know almost nothing about it. All right, then. A lot of it's really bad, and then there's the occasional really interesting <laughs> bit. Yeah, that's um, fine. <laughs> well, hopefully this is one of the latter. Uh, uh, it's, it's got very strong source material. If you're yeah. going to convert something into a TV show, this is a very good start. Fair enough. Um, do you want to have a very quick look at this Essentials kit here? Oh, yes, yes, the because Essentials. Our good friend Shane Stacks. Thanks, Shane. From the US, because it's not available in the UK until October. I October, which is what, like... Four uh, years away, at least. Yeah, well, I, I reckon, like, the ne- next half of the uh, next millennium. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, so, oh, we, we've opened it up. It's got, like, a little box for keeping treasure cards in. Uh, just so people know, the Essentials kit is the um, new starter, well, accompaniment to the starter set from um, Wizard of the Coast for D&D. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a it's a bigger, more sort of luxurious product than the original starter set. Yeah, yeah. It's got for two to six players because uh, it's got a cut down version of the psychic rules in, and it's recognisable because there's a big sort of I don't know ancient ice worm facing off against um, a very ambitious sorcerer, probably going with, or wizard or something going with the magic missiles, and there's a halfling to the next term saying, "No, no, you idiot! Don't attract its attention." Alas, it was too late. I think it is too late. It is so too the dragon late. Has clearly seen. <laughs> the dragon has made them. Things go horribly, horribly wrong. So what have we got in the box then? Let's have a look. Oh, well, as mentioned, got like a little box. You've also got a GM screen. It's quite a flimsy GM screen. Uh, yeah, yeah. I suppose they kind of have to cut corners somewhere to keep the price down to a reasonable amount. Four pounds. Yeah, it does have in the... Um, Pathfinder style, I want to say. There's uh, essentially like a little narrative going on from left to right of a party going along with a very grumpy dwarf pulling a cart laden with 
Um, unnecessary halfling. We've got also an elf bard here. They are playing an instrument. Playing a, is that a lute? What sort of instrument is that? Ah, uh, I'm going to say lute. Lute. I, I like lute. I'm in not D&D. up on my medieval instruments. Unfortunately, no. no. It might be um, some sort of, It might be a mandolin. For all I know. Hmm. I think it's mandolin. Mandolin. I think so. Nice. Yeah. I'm going to go with a drum. It's a drum. It's definitely not a drum. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> it's a piano. I, I, a I, piano. I, oh, and there's the wizard from the front cover. They've got like a little book floating along that's being held by a, presumably some sort of mage hand, and they have like a little familiar cat walking alongside them. And then we move closer oh, to the, the right hand edge of the GM screen, and the terrain gets colder and more desolate. Yeah. And at the far right hand corner, we have a white dragon. Yeah, feeling its oats going raw. There's some orcs looking. Like, they were going to ambush the adventurers, and then one of them said, Oh, 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 you guys, you guys, there's a dragon right behind us. Run! <laughs> I think they're on the same side as the dragon. I don't know, are they? Yeah, I think that would be the intention, but it's just like this orc here with his hand is like... They all look surprised to see the dragon, so maybe... <laughs> Surprise dragon is is rarely a good thing. Surprise dragons are the worst type of dragon. <laughs> <laughs> pre- pre- pretty much, it's like... You, some want, say, you want a build-up. Some say white, some say red, some say black, but surprise is definitely the worst sort. Um, I do quite like the uh, back page. They've got some useful things outside out. of the GM screen. DM screen. Yes, that's right. Things you can do on your turn. They've got conditions. The conditions are tables. important. Tracking DCs, travel pace cover. It is very much very similar to the revised DM screen that came out mm. because the original DM screen wasn't very good. It just had the like card stock they used on this is yeah, you know it's um basically about similar to that of a playing card. Would you say very very thin? Yeah, it yeah. Makes it, it makes it feel quite flimsy in the hand. It, it's more resilient than a magazine. It's like um like a sort of photograph style sort yeah. of thing. I, d- I wouldn't even say it's like as resilient as a playing card, but it's it's what, I mean, how much were we saying this book cost? Oh, it was in the mid $20, $25 or something like that, I think. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what else have we got? We've got a, a big old map. Well, it's not that big, but it's, oh, it's yeah, biggish yeah. of uh, Fandalin. Okay, you could use this quite happily. It goes alongside the... Um, Lost Mines of Fandelver. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no, okay. Um, so it's Lo- the same area. So. Lo- Lost Mines of Fandelver is, you know, fairly classic adventure. It's a decent so. one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a good one. It's pretty. Yeah, it's, it seems and, we've got everything two in. two sides. So one side mm. is Fandelver, and then the other side we have the Sword Coast. Oh, now we're talking. Okay. So, yeah, you've got Fandelver towards the south. Coneyberry, Neverwinter, yeah. Mount Hottenau. Yeah, it's not super detailed map, to be honest, but it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's got a bunch of hexes. Uh, is there a scale on this one? One hex is five miles. Yeah. So that seems um, pretty standard. Right. Yeah. Okay, what else have we got in the box? Let's have a look. Let me hold up this map. Oh, yes, we have the much heralded initiative cards. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. Um, it, oh, I mean, how would you describe this, Emmy? It's nine cards, and each of the cards has a number on it. Basically, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, They've got perforations. Yeah. And that's basically it, yes. Okay. I have <laughs> entirely nicked that idea from Savage Worlds, but... Uh, I think it goes back way before that. People, yeah? People, that, that, you got um, initial cards you could cut out in early Dragon magazines back in the 70s. Huh. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. a fairly basic idea, isn't it? Okay, uh, they've also got uh, conditions. Condition cards. That is actually really nice to have the condition cards because conditions are often very underused in D&D. 
Um, yeah. You've got various. You've got some magic items as well. Oh, yeah. some potion we've got Quite a lot of magic item cards actually. We've got several sheets worth. Like yeah. One, two, three, four, and you're holding one. Five sheets worth of magic items. Yeah. Although six of these on this, like it's nine cards per sheet. They're all like just a bit bigger than correct card sized. But I mean, one of them is like six. Of these are potions of healing or mm. potion of greater healing. It's yeah. And goggles night hat was really yeah yeah I mean it's like I do like I do like using cards as physical props for uh, equipment and money just because it gives a more visual sense like like if you're handing out treasure and you actually hand out a bunch of cards and it's got some money and it's got some cards with items and stuff mm-hmm. and the players are sort of pouring over the cards and things it feels more like they found a yeah a treasure yeah. hall than you just sitting there and reading out a list to them. Yes, yes, and then... And they, they, can, they can actually physically divvy them up, and, you know, it's just a... Yeah, it's nice. I, like element. I, I, I do like that. I've been experimenting with using metal coins for loot for players. I used to do that, but yeah. it was too expensive. Yeah, it's not um, cheap. Uh, so I switched to plastic ones. Oh, okay. You go down to any toy shop and just pick up some, like, plastic pirate coins, and you mm-hmm. get them in gold, silver, even red, blue, green, stuff like that, and you can get, sort of like, 300 of them for about three quid. Nice. Really cheap, so you get a big bag of them. That is, that is true. Uh, I, I like the weight. Yeah, they, they, yeah, I agree. The, the weight, the weight, and the clinking sound when you yeah. clink, it like gets people's attention. Yeah, like super work. It's just that they are expensive. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I have had actually pretty good success taking mm-hmm. like one and two p coins and just mm-hmm. using yeah. um, like texture paint and weathering paints and stuff on them, so you can't really mm-hmm. see the. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking in my next game, yeah. I might just use real money. So you know, one gold coin for. One pound. Going back uh, to that stick and carrot. You find 500 gold. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think Run the Kickstarter's gone to head for us. Everyone <laughs> wants to play in my game for some reason. <laughs> uh, well, it's fair. Um, they, they also have like a little sheet of NPCs, I've noticed. It's I mean, got... They've pit- got... Mm-hmm. It's sidekicks, I think. It's the idea you can yeah, go... Yeah, sidekicks. Oh, are they sidekicks? Yeah. Right. Yeah, so if you try and hire people to come with you, here's a list of... Yeah, so the psych- mm. sidekick rules are basically very, very simplified. Yes, yeah. Well, they're not officially out, except in as much as they're in this. Yeah. So you have, like, a bunch of, um, yeah, experts, spellcasters, warriors. Oh, okay. There's not many stats on these cards. No, no, it's just got a picture and... So, pass it here. Yeah. Uh, what they have... Oh, no, it just says, like, spellcaster... Yeah, they've got a job description. Yeah. Unless you remember and stats in the book, then, maybe. Let's have a look. So we've got yeah. two books That's here. That's possible. We've got two books. We've got um, The Adventure, Dragon of Ice Spire Peak, which I haven't read yet. Yeah. So I can't I can't spoil it for you, Vida. I'm sorry. Good. I don't know how much you enjoy it when I spoil things for you. But if I enjoy it, you mean in no way. I can't do it this time. So yeah. I just wanted to see if I could find the... Um... Wow. Oof. Oh, and we've got... Oh, okay. A side lot. Kicks. A lot of character sheets. All right, sidekicks, yes. So Blank yes, character right, sheets. Sort of, uh, in in um, the appendix of the book here. Yes. You've got ah. one, two, three. Yeah. All right, so you've got three different sidekick stat blocks. We've got yep. Spellcaster, mm-hmm. Warrior, and Expert. Yes. And each of those cards yep. refers to them as a Spellcaster, Warrior, or Expert. Yes. So you just use these stat blocks with them. Okay. Makes sense. And then, of course, we've got this rule book here, which is similar, I imagine, in scope to the rule book in um, the original starter set. Yes, yes. Um, it feels a bit thicker. I, I haven't read the starter set rule book because I actually had the PHB. Yeah. And so yeah. forth. But yeah. Uh, oh, okay. So I'm seeing character creation rules. In there. That's why it's thicker, of course. Yeah, it's got character creation rules in it. Yeah, yes. Um, and blank character sheets, yeah. so you can put them in. Yeah. So yeah. There you go. That's the, that's the essentials. Yeah. Kit. 
Um, uh, just flipping through the little adventure that you get in it. It's go on, spoil it, spoil it for Peter. Go to the last page and read out the last page to Peter. The last page is monster stats. Foiled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it gives you a bunch of monster stats at the yeah. back, yeah. and then the rest is like fifty pages of each. Like I think each two page spread, it looks like is mm-hmm. this is a little location with what's there and how you run it and so mm. on. I noticed they've got like a nice map there, which is yeah. quite handy. I mean, each of the spreads has. Like this is completely wasted on anybody listening because you can't <laughs> see what I'm looking at. But no, this is quite nice. They've the genius. Of it, 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 it's full color though, which yeah. I do, which I do like. That's pretty much the standard now, and it's well put together. Like nice, uh, nice clear page numbers, which was obviously of interest to some people. But as a GM, it's like you want that page number. Oh, I love this. You see, they've got um, all the locations yeah. have their own individual code. So you can like presumably check this out. So if I wanted to find H6, that's a Barbican. That's got like a little dis- description of that. Got a sidebar. So yeah. looking at the adventure and then flipping through the um, starter rules here, mm-hmm. one thing which is making me really happy looking at this is yep. the way they've, what's the word to use for it? Like the way they've chunked the information together, the way mm-hmm. they've put this bit of information goes on this two-page spread. Yes. Rather than spreading stuff out across multiple pages, they've really tightened up compared to the core books that I've got. Mm. Yeah. Um, it's really nicely laid out just in terms of um, like clarity. They're working towards accessibility. So yeah. if you're a new GM running this game for like your kids or yeah. your friends, you can actually have that two-page spread. That's got Has, yeah. very much everything you need to run. Yeah. Uh, the simplified character options, dwarf, elf, halfling, human, we covered before, bard, cleric, fighter, rogue, wizard, mm-hmm. and also backgrounds, acolytes, criminals, entertainers, sage, and soldier. I mean, so, that's the same one you get in the hmm. in the previous. Well, well, yes, but previously they had like some characters and I didn't particularly like them yeah. because I don't know, they just didn't seem like they were very well put together. I felt I could do better. But also it's just like people like creating their own characters. That seems to be a very mm-hmm. big draw being able to put stuff together. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. And they got some well, spells in there. Generally speaking, most yeah. starter sets do have pre-gens. That's like yes. the general way to make a starter set. Oh, oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah that, that's very much the thing. So this is a break from tradition, mm. but I'm, I'm intrigued. Anyway, should we, yeah. should we, should we move on? Yeah. Hmm. Um, because we've got a game to play. <sighs> we've got a game to play. It's time to play our favourite game. It's time to play the game. Our favourite game in all the world. Guess the Kickstarter from just the name. Shall we play our favourite game in all the world? Uh, yes, let's. Okay. Monopoly? Um, <laughs> yeah. Ooh, I, want, you... I want to be a hat. <laughs> <laughs> Are you familiar with our favourite game in all the world? Not it's yet, not, I, I think, think I'm about to be. It's a great pleasure in explaining it to you. Why don't you just tell Emmy the title so they can work out what it is yes. from just the title alone? Our favourite game in all the world is a game where I read out the name of a Kickstarter and you try to guess what it is from just the name. That is the title okay, of the game. Okay, this is going to be interesting. <laughs> That's the official title of the game, by the way. It's catchy, don't you think? Snappy. I mean, you <laughs> save so much on explanations <laughs> when you can just... Put all the rules in the title. <laughs> It is very important for Kickstarters to have good titles, otherwise you just don't know what you're going to get. I mean, did you see the 200-page RPG contests they run every year? I where in the first year like they said that, that yeah. the title of your game didn't count towards the word limit. Mm. Oh, yes. And people... Started putting information in. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you see, that, that was that was pretty obvious. Yeah, if you say that sort of thing to gamers, they're going to look for a loophole. 
at the moment, the people uh, using the loopholes now go, but I can put as many pictures in as I want. Uh, if I take a picture of my rules text... Oh, yeah, but a picture has words on it. It's still a word. Yeah, but if but you can... But count word count for document. If you replace a word with a picture of what it's... Ah, uh, right, okay, yeah. Like, instead of 2d6, you put <laughs> two dice. So, so you ba- save those words. So basically, it becomes a bit like... I wish I had a Rosetta Stone to decipher these hieroglyphics that you have presented me with. Yes. <laughs> anyway, let's have, let's play our favourite game in all the world. Yes. So, um, should we do two each? Does that sound good? Yeah, sounds um, good. I'll yeah. start with Peter and then Emmy, you can see how it works. Cool. Yes. Okay then, so Peter, are you yes. ready for the first one? Yeah, bring it on. What Woo-hoo. is, what is, yeah. Pirates of a Shattered World? I don't know what it is but I have an almost irresistible urge to start backing it. So that's a strong title, i got to say. <laughs> okay. Uh, Pirates of the Shattered World. I'm going to say it's um, space pirates, space pirate fantasy. It's people who are fleeing from um, their homeworld that has been destroyed, um, potentially by some sort of um, artificial intelligence gone rogue, which has uh, broken up the fact. Yeah, that's right. You you like that, Amy. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and you're following them as they make their way, enjoying hijinks and um, other such things. Yeah. Hmm. Well, that's what I go with. Not bad. I mean, I'll give you one point for identifying that Pirates of a Shattered World has pirates in it. Woo! Correctly identified. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, it's not space based. It is post apocalyptic. Ah, that post apocalyptic science fantasy swashbuckling adventure, is it? I, I will say, right. If an AI has destroyed your world, mm. that is an apocalypse. And if the game is set after that, it is post-apocalyptic. But it's not in space, which is what you said. Oh, well, it's not not properly <laughs> destroyed then, is it? Yeah. I'm not sure I've got time for this half measures. <laughs> uh, tell us more about Pirates of the Chest World. Uh, so this is an original system. You yeah. The core rule book. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, let's have a look. So it takes place in the fractured sea, um, filled with monsters and wreckage from the second apocalypse. Oh. Multiple apocalypses. Apocalypse? Uh, I think it's Apocalypso. Apocalypse. <laughs> you giant ice cream. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Explorers, swashbucklers, and science mages against a backdrop of gunpowder, sorcery, altered beasts, and haunted ruins beneath the waves. Mm, nice, nice. When's that Kickstarter end? On Friday, the 26th of July. Okay, so if you're listening to this, then you probably have like about a day or so to get it, unless you uh, put off listening to this weekly news podcast. Hmm. In which case, you you sat that's, one, that's one point to Peter. Woo! Well Score a point! Yay! Well done. Okay, then. Okay, Emmy, you ready? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, your one is this. What is the Blood Queen's Defiance? Oh, you really pulled out the stops for getting us good names this week. Yeah. I have Egg Embry for these. We do have to thank Egg Embry and their fantastic column, without which this game would not be possible. Thanks, Egg. I don't know, so I'm going to guess. I reckon I reckon it's Call of Cthulhu. Mm -hmm. I reckon there's some kind of horrible um Elizabeth Bathory cult business going Uh, on. And it's dealing with all of that. Um if it isn't, it should be, because that would be an amazing... <laughs> uh, but was she, was she a blood queen? Or was she more of a blood lady? <laughs> I mean, yeah. not initially, but potentially now. Maybe it all worked, and... Yeah. 
there, there we go. What, what, what's that? What's, is that the answer? It is not, unfortunately. The oh. you're, you're right in that it should be the answer, but it's yeah. not the no. answer. We like your answer better. <laughs> uh, so what this is is a D&D 5th edition oh, okay. free adventure arc running okay. from 1st uh, to 4th level. Okay. Um, it includes three adventures, the Raid on Oakvale, mm-hmm. the Cursed Spire, and the Warrens of the Blood Queen. Okay. And it, uh, it, it involves a sleepy village called Oakvale, which is attacked by the forces of the enigmatic Blood Queen. Not a village called Homlet. No. I am going to call it now Vampires. Well, there is you go. she a vampire? I don't know. Does Pot- it say? Sounds like she should be, but I don't know. Yeah. Okay. That information it, is not here. Either that or like a really big tick with delusions of grandeur. Mm-hmm. Okay then, Peter. Yes. You're one. Yes. So it's, uh, it's, it's one nil to you so far. Ah, that will soon change, I'm that sure. That will soon change. <laughs> um, yes. So what is uh, ekphrasis? I am going to spell it for you. Cause Thank I don't you. Know if I pronounce it correctly. <laughs> yeah. P-H-R-A-S-I-S. E-K-P-R-A-S-I-S. Ekphrasis. Huh. It's got our Greek roots going on there, doesn't it? Is that one word or two? One word. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Hmm. Ekphrasis. Ooh. Well, that is interesting. Hmm. Ekphrasis, ekphrasis. Hmm. Maybe ekphrasis. Well, I'm thinking it might be some... Uh, ekphrasis the, might be the, the, the pronunciation, and it might be make it slightly clearer. Well, 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 well I'm, I'm digging at the etymology there. Uh, not so hot on the ek prefix right now. Well, I really should be, but I think it's something to do with words. Um, yeah, RPG to do with words. Who, who would have thought that? Um, <laughs> um, ekphrasis, ekphrasis. Ah, so I'm hoping for... Um, I don't think this is D&D. I don't even think this is Powered by the Apocalypse. I think this sounds like a new and original system and setting combined. Um, Ekphrasis. Uh, Ooh, is it Ika? No, just trying to think. Um, And I like this to be maybe like um, even a modern magic game. Um, Like you've got some sort of... um, like, you know, sort of in the sort of semi-paranormal romance a la the Dresden Files, and it's like a novel take on a world of wizardry and so forth, um, like doing secret wars and so forth in the modern day. How's that? I mean, you correctly identified that um, it had some words in it. it it is quite a hard one i will say it is a hard one um so this is a a small game it's uh they call it a literary storytelling game ah okay there we go yeah Uh, for two players um a game of stealing words from one story yes and making them your own a game of surreal narratives a two-player game with making art physical and performance interactive and permanent Ooh, that sounds very cool is this actually an RPG? I'm just looking at it now. Um, I think it's definitely on the borders of being an RPG stroke 
Yeah, sure, why not? Cards for a board game. It's it, a tabletop game, I'll give it that. It's, it's oh, okay. in that same, it's a story-based game, but not necessarily a role-playing game where things like Fiasco and yeah, Microscope yeah. fit in. It feels more, it's yeah. my. I'm getting sort of yeah. Cards Against Humanity sort of vibes from it, in oh, a sense. Oh, no, this is way cooler than Cards Against <laughs> Humanity. Cards uh, Against Humanity is go. like who's getting the drinkest and embarrassing themselves fastest. I mean, this Play- sounds good. <laughs> yeah. Players sit, down, <laughs> players sit down together for about an hour yeah. and repurpose words and texts, yeah. making them into something new. Mm-hmm. No matter the building blocks, likely neither player has any idea where the story will go. Hmm, sweet. There we go. That's what that is. Um, so I'm afraid you scored minus 10 points for that. <laughs> Fine, thank you. <laughs> so you're at minus nine. <laughs> so, so, Emmy, you're in the lead because you've got zero. So uh, all I need to do is not answer. My score won't change <laughs> and I win. Oh, no, no. Russ will refer to the uh, spreadsheet. Yeah. Or oh, God help you, the uh, access database. Yeah. Is this and going it- to get a bit Mornington Crescent? Yeah. Oh, no. The, uh, the, the scoring system in this is highly scientific. Highly yeah. accurate. Completely and unbiased. And it was a lot of, lot of factors which are uh, hidden behind the scenes. Subtle, subtle factors. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Peter scored minus a million one week. Which was <laughs> Good grief. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this one. What is Dungeons and Dancers, an epic belly dance adventure? <laughs> it's a hell of a title. <laughs> So, there are two directions that this can go in. Yes. This is either um, going to be a really interesting kind of feminist um, exploration of very female-coded arts through the lens of D&D, and it's going to be quite focused on that, and it's going to be an interesting take on that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Or it's going to be dreadful stereotypes, mm-hmm. very... Um, based on cheesecake. Yes, based mm. on cheesecake. So wildly cheesecake. inaccurate. So many um, chainmail bikinis. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's either going to be artistic and important, and like break new ground in the exploration of, um, like foreign and female coded modes of expression, mm-hmm. or it's mm. going to be absolutely dreadful. And you know, um, rock you or schlock. You have to choose one as your answer. One of oh. those two things. <laughs> Go on, Emmy. You could do it. <laughs> you can't have two answers. I'm afraid. I know. I've tried it so many times. You could have rolled a dice. I'm going to randomly generate my answer. <laughs> oh, oh. This one's a nice one. This one's the one that makes me sad. Okay. Yes. That was a nice one. I think it's going to be a daring feminist exploration. Woohoo! It's not really either of those things, unfortunately. Ah! (laughs) I suppose it's closer to that, though, than the other. Um, In that it's a positive thing rather than a negative thing. Oh, I've just clicked away from it. No, you just also back So, what this is, it's a a belly dancing troupe in Durham, North Carolina. And what they're doing is they're telling the story of a DD campaign through the medium of dance and belly dance. Oh. Uh, so it's a theatrical production rather than a game. Yes. So I suppose it is slightly cheating in uh, we include it in an RPG. So, well, well. Oh. <laughs> uh, it blends the captivating art of belly dance with the immersive storytelling of Dungeons and Dragons. Um, they follow a party as they search for an ancient artifact known as a sanguine amulet. Sounds jiggly. Okay. 
Yeah. Yeah, it should be cool. Some some quality. To, uh, so this is a Kickstarter. So what it they is, it is a Kickstarter. What what, yeah. what 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 do they want? <laughs> uh, so, they want money. Well, yes, yeah. Um, they want one thousand one hundred ninety nine pounds. I don't know what that is in dollars. Okay, Doesn't about fourteen hundred dollars. Fifteen. No. Yes. No. It, it's some oh, money. It's fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah. Okay. Fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah. Um, and uh, the rewards you get, you can get a, a photo, a shout out. Yep. A one shot whoop, adventure. Stop backing the Kickstarter. <laughs> <laughs> Just clicked on it and now we're back to it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a one shot adventure or a show ticket. Oh, okay. Basically. Right. So Durham uh, and, and some other things like shirts and bits and pieces like that. Okay. Right. So if you are in North Carolina, this becomes a much better investment for you. I think, yeah, I think it's yeah. for local people. Super, yeah. super good investment. Yeah. But yeah, quite reasonably priced. So mm. doing a theatrical production oh, for 1500. Sounds like it'd be fun. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. That yeah. is, I think, the end of our favorite game in all the world for this week. Woo! Uh, the winner is not you, Peter. No. I'm sorry. That's right. <laughs> 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 yeah. we can't, we can't have to go around winning more than once in a row no, that'd be awful Emmy is the winner this week hey, 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 bravo, bravo. zero points it's good <laughs> <laughs> it's good to win with zero points yeah the setting of this campaign is the wild west America in the 1800s a dusty frontier from the plains of Alberta to the dry lands of northern Mexico from the Mississippi River over the Rockies to the sea. Your characters will be rough-and-ready cowpokes, gunslingers, drifters, and preachers. Oh, awesome! I've been waiting to try out this half-elf warlock concept. Ah, no, no. no. Uh, the Wild West features only humans as playable races. The differences will come from the different ways you approach gritty, down-to-earth challenges. Oh, oh right, right, right. Fair enough. Um, how about a drow assassin? <sighs> Maybe I need to enunciate more clearly. This setting has no non-human races. It's based in the real world in 18th century America. Oh, no, no, I see, I see. Sorry, I got that. Um, all right, uh, how about I go with a lizard folk fae walker? I feel like you're not listening to me. Mm. Humans only. Mm, mm, uh, so, no, pixie? No. Um, dum ba ba warforged, troll, how about a sentient polar bear? No, no, no. Uh, what about a gibbling or a tellerite? <gasps> a dryad. Tellerites are from Star Trek, damn it. Mm, Romulan? Gorn? Ferengi. Like my head is about to explode. Wild West. Mm. <sighs> oh, I could play a weeping angel. And a lipid. A werewolf. I'm not a violent man. But you are stretching my limits. Mm, mm, um, all right, all right. So those are out. Um, okay. Because I play one of a vampire, a zygon, a leech, a kender, a grimlock, ah, a frost giant. Look, mate, I don't know what's going on here, but when I said humans only, I meant it. Uh, so notably, oh, but doppelgangers, time lords, they're, they're humans, right? No sci-fi, no frogmen, no shape changers. No, no, no. That that seems fair. That seems fair. Uh, all right. How about I play a Sauron? A Sauron. He's a singular entity. All right. All right. Um, a Balrog. A Death Knight. Ah, <gasps> a Kryptonian. You want to play Superman in the Wild West? No. All right then. How about a Cthulhu? <sighs> yeah. Okay, mate. You win. 
you can play a Cthulhu. Yeah! Has my first action. I'm going to lie dormant under the ocean for 15 millennia while subtly influencing the world with telepathic powers and nightmarish visions. Do I have a cult yet? Okay, uh, we have a question from one of our patrons, because as always, we ask our patrons on Patreon, which you can find at patreon.com forward slash Morris. That's M-O-R-R-U-S. Uh, yeah, to ask our guests any questions they wish, and our guests very graciously deign to answer those questions. Yes. Which is very, very nice of them. So, Emily, we've got a question here for you. Who's it from, uh, Russ? This is from Bernie Monsanto, one of our long-time listeners and long-time patron supporters. Hey, Bernie, thanks for your support. And he asks the following. I think an important question to ask yes. should be the following. Pineapple on pizza, food of the gods, or unholy abomination like of which, where the punishment for such blasphemy would be to burn in the eternal fires of hell. It's strongly worded and divisive. Marvellous. I can't think what Bernie's position on this is. I'm trying to... Uh. I think it should be clearer. Emmy. But Emmy, he wants so to know what So this is clearly... Not the most serious of foodie questions, but I worked as a chef, so I'm going to give a serious answer. That's great. Question to Bernie. So, (laughs) realistically, authentic pizza is not a massive thing. It was invented in America in like the early 20th century, and it's um, you get a lot of regional variations on it. Yeah, and that's entirely a thing. Pineapple on pizza was a thing in California like 30 years after pizza was first invented and it's yeah. no more not traditional than anything else so we yeah. can discard the it's not traditional argument Strong choice. which then means does the flavor profile of pineapple work well with you know the cheese and the tomato mm-hmm. and whatever meat you're doing Damn, you, and yeah. i mean like, you need Hawaiian. to be yeah you need to be careful with what you pair it with you need yeah. to make sure it's not going with anything that's too sharp or too spicy yeah but in theory it can work if you get like not too much of it, mm-hmm. and you make it work with the meat that you're doing with, like mm-hmm. particularly smoked meat, which is why pineapple is mm. generally done with ham. Yeah, it can work. It's not my favourite. No, um, it's not what I would normally go for, but I don't think it's dreadful. I think it's got a place mm-hmm. in the pizza canon, as it yes. were. And I think saying that, oh well, it's fruit. You can't combine fruit with um, other food. Is it's kind of what. Yeah, you, is is that the argument against it? Like part of the argument is it's a fruit. You're not meant to put sweet things with. No, no, that's absolute Whoa. rubbish. Whoa, well, most yeah, yeah. most cuisines go. This is a sweet thing which we're putting in with our savoury dish. Yeah, like yeah. loads of Asian food goes. We are going to put like pineapple or banana or it as an ingredient in it. Yeah, and and also you got Stilton and apple. Yeah, instant classic. Brie and grape, amazing. Yeah. So you know, uh, it, it's a like it's not a traditional pairing that you see. Yeah in italian food but pizza's yeah. not italian food it's it's an american, it's an american food, food. Yeah. and american yeah, is very much because uh, you can get pizza in italy yeah. it's a different style of pizza to the one you get in america but what's that then um that is pizza? basically it's so it's it was italian americans yeah. moved moved over to america and created pizza as a thing yeah. to set themselves apart yeah. and then when people started going back home they brought mm. pizza with them and it right. mutated from there because okay. um, it's quite delicious yeah yeah and easy to yeah. make yeah but no like italian pizza is not your authentic pizza you want to be looking i think 
I think it's Chicago is where the original recipe came from. Ooh. Chicago and New York have a big yes. fight over that. Every, every oh, yeah, year yeah. They, they gather in a big car park and have a big fight with pizzas. Is, is that, who has the best pizza? Yeah, but Chicago is pizza is better. And if you disagree, you are wrong. I okay. You might think you prefer New York, but okay. you're wrong about your preferences. <laughs> you've, you've heard it here first. Emmy Allen has very strong opinions on pizza. I do, I do know what Domino's pizza is. But, but what do you, what do you personally, would you personally have pineapple on your pizza? I mean, it depends what the other options are, but I have no objection to it. If, other, if everybody else wants Hawaiian, then yeah, let's go for Hawaiian. Well, um, I'll, I'll have a pineapple on my pizza. I don't even, I don't even eat meat, so yeah, it's all good. Yeah. Yeah, pineapple and mozzarella works for me. I'm pretty easy with pizza. Most of them taste nice. Yeah, pizza. I think I think the. Uh... Tell you what I do love is in town. You know, Losteria. Oh yeah, yeah. They do the giant pizzas like that. Oh wow, they are so nice. You know what's good? So what's that? That's barbecue uh, sauce. Two foot across. Oh yeah. <sighs> yeah, it's so good. It has all that smoke and that richness. Yeah. And... So what I'm hearing is barbecue sauce, bit of mozzarella, pineapple on top. Yeah, because then the barbecue yeah. sauce provides the smoke that you would oh, be losing from the ham. Oh, get in. Um, yeah. Yes. Well, there you go. Um, in a shocking turn of events, pizza is good. And I have a new favourite type of pizza that I haven't even eaten yet. And I learned something right. about pizza history. Exactly. Fantastic. So thanks very much for the question, Bernie. And uh, yeah. Anyway, so we are now going to talk about... The, ex- the Stygian Library. The Stygian Library. Also known as the Stygian Library. I've so, been getting it wrong for... Ages. So we're going with Stygian, are we? I think, yeah, okay, Stygian but... is how it's pronounced. Okay. Yeah. Um, Why don't you tell us a little bit about the Stygian Library? <laughs> so I stole the idea from Terry Pratchett. Yes. It's pr- the pr- idea. Pretty obviously, to be fair. Yeah. It's like all in L space, pretty much. Yeah, it's, it's L space. Yeah. It's um, libraries linking together in a giant wormhole mm. and you find a way in from whichever library is closest to you and wander around in this parallel library dimension looking for information yeah whatever it is you want from it yeah but uh, and also sufficiently large bookshops which i felt was a good shout yeah i yeah. mean it's as long as there's enough books in one place basically oh, yeah, yeah. um you can't you're not allowed to be able to see the entirety of the bookshop from the entrance yeah it has to be yeah. lots yeah um serious volumes but it does mean that in theory as long as the players can get together like a v-shaped room and fill it with books they mm-hmm. can in theory make it happen mm-hmm. i think somebody needs to die as well so yes, you did mention that <laughs> still doable so this is a, a, a system neutral adventure yeah roughly yeah plugged into a yeah. campaign in well, what's your sort of tart i mean obviously it's like you're not tying it to a specific system but what sort of systems did you have in mind when designing um it? so i play tested it using a weird kind of Frankenstein horrible mix of like bits of Labyrinth Lord, bits mm-hmm. of um, old D&D, that kind of thing. So basically OSR type. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. But um, I think actually if you look at the stat blocks in the book, there isn't a system that they perfectly match up to apart from the horrible, horrible homebrew that I've been using. Yeah. But it's all fairly common sense. Like it tends to list things as well, its armour is like it's wearing plate armour rather than its armour is 18. So yeah. yeah. And I mean, we've all played D&D. You, we all know what plus three to hit D8 damage yeah, means. Can, so you can convert you, you, from... You can sub in an orc or a skeleton or anything quite right. easily. From yeah, you can go, this is roughly what these stats look like. Yeah. So, because I know the other system, the other books I've done like this is Yin, which is um, garden themed. Yes. And players have run like Changeling and Exalted using that and just swapped the stats out. So mm. it's mm. like the stats aren't central to it. Yeah. Um, they're, they're sort of more... 
more guidelines than rules. Yes. Yeah. Than your best barbarous fashion. Yeah. yeah. So I noticed the sort of structure of it. Essentially, you randomly generate the library. It's basically a randomly generated dungeon, in a sense, as mm. the players work yeah, yeah. through it. So can you um, sort of talk a bit on that and, uh, you know, how, how that works? So basically, the idea is that when you first open the door and go in, the GM will go... Um, this is the room that you find yourself in yeah. and roll on a bunch of tables and it will say, okay, this is what's in this room. This is what the general decor is like. This is anything that you encounter in there. And then from there, the player's options are, so each like 10 minute exploration turn, you can either stay where you are and keep investigating, in which case mm-hmm. you can do things like play around with anything interesting in the location. Mm-hmm. And the GM will be rolling for events, like if anything turns up or if you find anything interesting or you can go back to somewhere you've been previously and just backtrack. Mm-hmm. Or you can go deeper. Yes. And for that, you will, again, um, like roll up another room yeah. using the same procedure and just link it to the first one. Yeah. So, okay, so the next interesting place that you find mm-hmm. is this one. But what you do is you track how many rooms deep you are. Mm-hmm. And this basically adds to all the roles yeah. for um, generating what's there. Yeah, the deeper you go, the weirder Yeah, the it deeper gets. you go, like when you're five rooms deep, you'll be rolling a d20 plus five for yeah. what the room is, and the table goes up to like 35-ish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you shift what the possible results are down the table the further well, in you go. Some of the sort of more um, sort of uh, out there sort of rooms and ideas that you've got in there. Because I, I, I was, when I was glancing through it, I saw rooms sort of giant clockwork computers and... Um, I saw portals to hell and all sorts of all sorts of stuff in there. Um, I quite like the trapdoor spider. The yeah, trapdoor yeah, spider that, yeah. is like it's not a weird oh. encounter, but it's started out to be a the horrible surprise for the players where they go somewhere seemingly normal looking, yeah. and then spider has these very careful tactics mm-hmm. where it will pick off whoever's at the back yeah. very very carefully. Um, and it's a fun encounter. I've run it a couple of times, and mm. the players always shit themselves. So, um, <laughs> but sorry. like the weirdest stuff that you get in there is, as you said, a lot of the stuff is computers. But rather than using like electricity to power mm. them or yeah. clockwork, it's all dead people. It's all we have extracted people's souls mm-hmm. and rendered them down into this very basic essence, where it's not properly sentient anymore. It's just a blob of emotional energy, mm. and it's they're using the alien computer. Yeah. yeah, and then they're using that to power the computers, and mm. so you have these huge hissing data banks where it's just ghosts in bottles yeah. that are being used to power that, and it gets very like it seems really nice and whimsical and kind of fairy tale logic when you first mm. go in, and the yeah, more it you explore it, the more you realize, oh, oh, this is this is not okay. Yeah. Mm. Um, but like the librarians that run the place are totally in on it um deliberately made the library to be kind of lethal so people will die there so they've got more fuel but they're also very helpful they don't mind showing you where stuff is Mm -hmm. so you have this really interesting dilemma going on where are you going to be like are you going to play nicely with the librarians or are you going to be deciding with some of the other um Mm -hmm. things wandering around in there like there are um their victims that have escaped you get like mm. brains in jars is a room that you can find yeah i remember that and one. then yeah, yeah. one of the monster encounters you can get is there are a bunch of brains that have escaped from their jars through their horrible psychic powers that are now floating around on a terrible terrible vengeance mission and this starts to throw in a lot of the 
like it's I don't want to say moral dilemmas, but mm. the players have to work out how much they're willing to do for knowledge and where they're um because the whole reason they've gone into yeah. this library, this terrifying place, to find information, yeah. yeah, yeah, which could be anything from something that's well known, something that's been written in any yeah. book, whatever, and then something that's never been written down anywhere. And each of these has a yeah. different DC and chance of finding it. Yeah, and like there's a very very simple system bolted on where basically the more information you find out about what the library's layout is and where stuff is mm-hmm. you just tot up points of progress towards finding and it when you get enough you've, eventually you've, you've got what you're looking for you're after. yeah um, it's like a, it's a clever idea but you can just simply mm. slip that into pretty much any campaign yeah in fact i think i probably will into my current yeah you should uh, thursday night game i hope nobody's listening in a record first we hope that people aren't listening to this <laughs> podcast um, i hope nobody from my thursday night games listening is what just I give them like well this timestamp to this timestamp put mm. your fingers in your ears yeah. um but, like, one of the things that i try to do with a lot of the stuff i write um at least a lot of the adventures that i write is that it's very much um it's all parallel dimensions yeah. it's mm. all stuff that you can bolt onto your setting really easily as long mm. as you've got space to have a portal going somewhere weird yeah. so mm. it's not tied down to this specific thing has to exist mm-hmm. um which i think just works better you can put it in pretty much anything it's also, you know it's just a really really useful way of making a product isn't it yeah you, you know i mean it doesn't limit you to you have to be playing this edition in yeah. this system if you can make mm. it more generic yeah, yeah. Like uh, even with just a little bit of light reskinning, you could slip it into a sci-fi campaign or pretty much anything. I yeah, not uh, one day sci-fi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's nationally with horror. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've seen people running Call of Cthulhu with this. Um, oh yeah, oh, it'd be great for Call of Cthulhu. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, yeah no, it's it works all right. I'll give that um, a one shot. Yeah. There's also I forget who. There's somebody online that has done um, basically taken all the stat blocks from yeah. it and gone. And this is this converted for fifth ed D and D, yeah, which nah. is which would make it a little easier to. Make. Oh, it's oh, I'm not good enough at fifth ed to be able to write competent stat blocks for the stuff. I think with no. fifth um, ed, you could probably just grab a stat block though. You don't necessarily need to write most yeah. of it. Some of it's really weird. Yeah, like some of it doesn't work like most monsters do. Yeah. Um, off the top of my head, like some of the ghosts in there don't work like how D and D does ghosts. Yeah, no. no. Um, so, so be- but they've gone okay so it does like these conditions it's immune to this stuff and it's mm-hmm. translated it in a way that i'm yeah, that's not cool. yeah yeah um and that's all free like if you yeah. if you feel like buying the book then you can still get the conversion pack for fifth mm-hmm. eds just floating around so Google it looks it. available on drive through right yeah, yeah yeah and places like that so you've got uh, a judge's choice uh yeah. award uh for the ennies this year mm-hmm. um surprised I mean, I threw a bunch of stuff in going, maybe people will vote for me and I can mm-hmm. get, you know, glory in the free publicity. Mm-hmm. And from what I can tell, the judge's choice is when there's one of the judges is super, super into one entry yeah, and won't right. shut up about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they'll that, just that give them like the judge's yeah. choice to, which means that yeah. as far as I can tell, most of the judges weren't massively bothered and one guy loves it. It doesn't um, necessarily mean that, um, no. but... They've but, got, to, there's some, got to see some merit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as, as I remember, and obviously I'm not, I'm not involved in it anymore, but no. um, it used to be um, at the end of the process, each judge would get asked to just nominate something that they thought really, really should have got an award. Okay. Hmm. And uh, each one gets one pick. Yeah. And then it's like an unquestioned pick. Cool. But yeah. I find it really 
just like heartening that I've in the last couple of years suddenly started getting noticed because I'm yeah. doing all of this with absolutely no budget. Mm-hmm. Um, if you buy my stuff, I am so, so sorry about all the spelling mistakes, but I can't afford an editor. Mm-hmm. Um, all the arts like public domain stuff, mm-hmm. but. I think the fact that you can go in with absolutely zero budget, no like links into the industry and go, I'm just going to make a thing and see what happens yeah. and get this level of success is... Well, it's great that the industry is set up to let you do that these yeah. days. Mm. I mean, it's really encouraging. Yeah. It's really encouraging that like there are so few obstacles if you actually want to start doing this stuff seriously. Yeah. Um, I think literally you just need a word processor. I mean, when you're away, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean... It's sort of reminiscent of the sort of old days of zines. And stuff yeah. Or, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, and you've got at this point you have multiple competing platforms to host all of this print-on-demand stuff, um, which is I think healthy because it means you can't have one company just going <laughs> to everything. Yeah, um, trying to crowdfund it maybe. Yeah. So there is uh, the previous project I did, the garden. Yeah, is. Mm-hmm. The same people that did, do you know the Hot Springs Island book? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm working with that guy to do oh, a really yeah. nice... Yeah, I remember that in the Ennies. Was it last year? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. No, I do remember um, that. Yes. You, get yeah. the, like, you get the Hot Springs Island book for the GM, and then you get the field guide to Hot Springs yeah. Islands, which is an IC. Like, yeah. no, you found this book. Have a read that you yeah. can give your players. But it was absolutely beautiful. It was lovely production values, lovely art, mm-hmm. nicely leather bound. And we're doing a similar thing with Yin. Where okay. uh, we found a pair of artists, yeah. um, I think they're a couple, who have a mixture of this really nice sort of fine, detailed pen and ink line work. Ooh, yeah, and yeah. then on top of that, like some very nice, expressive, more watercolory um, painting style stuff. Okay. But they've both got this lovely kind of delicate feel to it. Yeah. And then we're looking maybe leather-bound, golden-bossed, mm-hmm. really nice quality to that. Yeah. And if people like that, then there are no concrete plans to do the library, but it seems like that's another thing that could happen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I don't know. Like, at this point, I'm pretty much just sitting back and letting them get on with it, because I've done my bit. Yeah. given them the text, I, and I, they I can just... I really enjoyed my read through the library. It was, um, mm. you know, I really like the... You'd say whimsy... But it's kind of whimsy with a, you know, like the sort of like uh, fey, dark fey sort of mm. thing. Mm. Where at first it looks pretty, and then you realise it's the, there's an undercurrent that's not quite so pleasant. Mm. It, it's it's not that proper uh, fairy tale vibe, like your yeah. old school yeah. ones yeah. before they're all like bowdlerized and so forth. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Um, very very strong writing. Yeah, yeah. what is that? So it's, it's all completely randomly generated. Why? Would you um, make the choice to sort of have a randomly generated library as opposed to a pre-designed one? So there are two um, unrelated bits of reasoning here. Mm -hmm. The first is I find that in a lot of um, module design, you have two very competing things to get Mm -hmm. the guy running your stuff to properly understand it and be able to throw it at the players in a way they'll understand. Mm -hmm where if you leave them to invent everything on their own, Uh then your ability to make stuff up on the spot is often very limited, and so you'll keep on going back to the same stock idea over and over again, and you won't have that diversity of content. Uh But at the same time, if you're presenting somebody with, well, this is a very tightly statted out 
everything goes here, this thing goes here, here's your block of really loud text. Mm. Because the GM didn't write that themselves, they aren't going to be processing that information in the same way, so Mm. they're not going to digest it the same way and internalize it, meaning Mm. they don't have the same grip on it, Mm. which is a problem when you start to run stuff, you get so much more, let me me look it up in the book, which... Because there is is a right answer. yeah. Yeah. So... Um, the big thing which this does is you don't just get, I roll a d20 for what's in the room, you're rolling twice uh-huh. to get the basic contents and then the decor and details, which mm. you have to combine, yes. which forces the GM to look at the two options and do that much thinking to put mm. them together, mm. meaning it's now their idea for what's in the room, yeah, and they yeah. get that much more of a hold on it. It's kind of a read-write thing yeah. in the brain. Sort of yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, it's very much about the way that you process that information. And, like, it's going to slow things down. Like, every time I've run it, it's, well, you've come to a new location, role-play amongst yourselves for a couple of minutes, (laughs) I'll get back to you. Yeah. Um, But it means that you have that sense of um, ownership of the Mm. the GM, which you wouldn't do um, just running it straight out of the book. And it also means the GM gets to kind of share in the sense of discovery at the same rate the players do. Like, yeah. if you're running a lot of the very old-school games, mm-hmm. then the real appeal in the game is in um, what's around that corner, what's behind that door, the mm-hmm. learning what's there and how things fit together, and the, the exploration and the mystery-solving and all of that. Yeah. And by generating as you go along, the GM gets to get a sense of that um, yeah. discovery, which... Um, and then the second reason is that I'm really bad at drawing maps. So if it's all randomly generated, I don't have to do that. Yeah. But yeah, uh, and also it gives it a certain amount of revisitability. Oh, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Uh, and it really fits in with the theme. Oh, yeah, it, lends, it, it definitely space, lends to the yeah. nature of it. Which, Absolutely, yeah. Which is a shifting and bizarre place. Yeah, it yeah. certainly works if you, like, every time you revisit, it's a, it's yeah. a different, mm. different place. You'd think you'd have learned better after the first time around. But yeah. <laughs> so how long does um, the adventure generally take? I suppose it depends on how so obscure the information you're looking I've, for. Um, when I've run it, it varies wildly depending on whether you've gone... Um, so I am running the library. Mm-hmm. Your characters have a reason to want to explore the library. Right. And then once they start to venture in they will start to acquire hooks to want to go back in and NPCs they care about and so on. Because it's very much built on the, well, you roll some random details and the players will start to care about things and you Mm. pull threads together and you improvise. And so it will get people invested and you can just keep on going indefinitely with that. Mm. Um, And also it's very possible for the players to get stuck. Like Mm. it's very possible for the route back to fall apart and vanish. And so now you have to find a new exit. Um, and with that, it's never lasted more than about eight weeks for me before it's, well, we're starting to see the same stuff over and over. Mm. Um, but well, it's also very easy to go, like, you have a way in, it's bolted onto the game that is already existing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and now you can, you know, venture in for maybe half an hour this session yeah. or a couple of sessions as part of a much longer-term campaign, sure, yeah. which works like I've got a couple of other very similar modules in the works, and the idea mm. is that eventually you can go, well, you have a big list of different demi-planes you can go to, knock yourselves out. Mm. Like you, um, you, you've, you've blundered out of the Stygian Library into the Gardens of Yin. Yeah. Unlucky. <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, all of them have, if you go deep enough, doorways leading somewhere else, and that's mm. left reasonably open-ended. Mm. Um, all of them have an option, which is just 
a different plane of existence, so you yeah. can hop from one to the other. Mm. It occurred to me when I was reading it, it also feels very extensible. Like you could easily write a sequel, which is basically just more tables for the same, for the same yeah. library, just extending the the options. Yeah. They um, have it. As long as you've got, as long as you've got more <laughs> and more ideas. But uh, So a lot of the ideas from that I can see going into, just for me, different but similar projects. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I have a... So a combination of a massive like goblin market bazaar type mm. deal, but it's all clockwork and automated um, because it's, if you ever read the first Narnia book where, yeah. where they go to Charn, the dead world, where they, like the ruler of Charn got in a massive conflict with her sister and went, do you know what? Screw this. Power word kill absolutely everything. This mm. entire world is dead now. And so what the idea there is that all you have left is all these automated clockwork systems that are still ticking over yeah. and you can visit this dead world. Oh, uh, okay. You're not talking about Lion, the Witch, and the No, Wind I'm not. Um, Horse and his boys? No, no. Uh, the magician's nephew. Oh, okay. It's yeah. chronologically the first, but not the first one that got published. Right, sorry. With that, but um, it's been a long time. Yeah. Okay, but no, okay. So and then like an interesting world. the other one is climbing up your chimney at Christmas and running around the North Pole stabbing people and nicking stuff, mm. which looks to be... Uh, Glorious and in incredibly poor taste, but moths, 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 yeah. Um, and those were both used exactly the same exploration mm. mechanics because oh, they're yeah. again parallel worlds. Yeah, um, sort of a roguelike for RPGs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. very much inspired by roguelike design. Mm-hmm. So, did mm. we want to try and run a thing? I mean, a couple of floors or something. Yeah, so it's, mm. yeah. It's not not like we have to I play mean, for a complete if you campaign. Do, if, if you're I doing would, that. yeah, I would absolutely run something. How if, about? If we make it a separate podcast, then that's legit. Yeah. So uh, I guess we'll. What we can do then is we can play using your simply D six system. Ooh, uh, we could. We could. We could. And uh, using play through a bit of the Stygian Library. That's not exciting. This was not even slightly planned, and is probably going to be a massive disaster because I don't know these rules. But it will be fine. We'll make stuff up. <laughs> What's the worst that can happen? <laughs> <laughs> right. So. Um, um. Right. Yeah. Let's, let's wind this up, and um, cool. and then. Uh, yeah, we'll play. We'll play some of the uh, Stygian Library, and yes. we'll we'll put that out in a separate podcast. Yes, cool. Uh, okay, so uh, thank you everybody for listening. Yeah, this has been awesome as ever. Thanks for putting up with me. <laughs> no, it'll be more welcome, Amy. Thank you so much. Cool. If they put up with me, they'll put up with you. <laughs> oh, well, we saw we saw how to put with you. Your name is on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah so thank you everybody for listening um, and uh, we'll be back next week as always uh, it's goodbye from me Russ it's goodbye from me Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild of Roleplayers and it's apparently goodbye from me as well um, Emmy apparently I now have to read this to you this is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news which you can find at enworld.org You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. Mm, That's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here.